God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 I'm excited about this. You know, last week's message, it actually really, um, it, it, it touched me. I think I said this, you know, sometimes uh, when you preach a message, you preach to yourself. Sometimes, you know, you preach your know, things that you need, things that you need to know, things that, that you've studied. And uh, as a pastor, that's good. And so this is something I've been studying for uh, um, really a number of years, but more recently in a, a more concentrated effort, studying impartation. And we asked the question last week. I don't want to recap too much. I encourage you, go back on YouTube, go back on um, podcasts, you can go on uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. I love the podcast because you can listen on the go. You can um, listen to just the audio. You don't have to worry about having your video up and your phone battery dying. Um, It's great. So maybe you'd like to do that. But I I encourage you to go back. But as a brief recap, we kind of asked this question, why do we go to church? And we, we answered several different reasons. And one of those reasons is impartation, that we receive something we did not have before, that we receive something we did not have before. And um, I have a, a little bit of a different definition of impartation today, just a different way to say it. But simply defined, impartation simply means to bestow a quality or an attribute to someone or something that was not previously there. So to bestow an attribute or a quality that was not previously there. And uh, uh, the, I'll tell you my new definition or my revised definition in just a second. But we ended the message last week, and uh, this was probably my favorite part, talking about um, the treasure that was found in the field. And in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, uh, we see a parable from Jesus. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found, and then he hid it, and for joy over the treasure, he goes and sells all that he has. Everybody say, all that he has. He sold all that he has and buys that field. And we talked about how when you buy a a field, obviously this is an analogy. It's a parable that Jesus was trying to make a point that that in, in the kingdom of heaven, there are times where you find a treasure. And when you do, you sometimes buy the whole field to get it. And when we're talking about impartation, you know, when you're receiving from a man, of God or a woman of God, the, the, you buy the field. And so sometimes, uh, or when God connects you to a church and the church is a part of, of, of imparting things to you, you, you buy the field. And sometimes people get so caught up in the dirt, in the weeds, in the hills, in the moles, in the whatever, and the, the, the problems of the field that they forget about the treasure. That they forget about the treasure. They forget that, and man, it was such a good message. I'll be honest with you. Uh, it was, the Lord helped me preach it. It was not just me. It, it was, I mean, sure, I had studied in all those things, but it was, it was inspiring to me. It was inspiring to me as a reminder that, that I, I see, I have a pastor. I have a pastor, Pastor Steve McCart. We, Family Worship Center, multi-location church. We have several churches. We have local pastors in each church. Praise God for that. But, but uh, you know, I have a pastor and I, I want to continue for the rest of my days to receive from that man because God put him in my life. And I can't get caught up in the, the field, in the things that are, that are, are, are uh, surrounding the treasure. I'm after the treasure. I'm after the treasure. And so I want to talk to you a little bit more today about, about the things that we can do to receive impartation. Now, I did clarify last week, we can definitely receive impartation from God, from his word. Um, but all throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, we see God use men and women of God to impart into others something they did not have before. Let me tell you a different way that we can define impartation. Impartation, catch this, it empowers you to become what you could not develop into on your own. Impartation empowers you to become what you could not develop into on your own. If you think about going to school 
And we talked about last week the word disciple and how the word disciple literally means to be a student or, or to, be, uh, to become a, a pupil and to, under, you know, to, to, to gather knowledge from. And when you go to school, you read books, you have teachers. What is their entire goal, their entire job? To give you something, to develop in you something that you cannot develop on your own. To develop in you something that you cannot develop on your own. And there are things that we do in life that put us in position to better receive impartation. And I'm going to switch back to talking about spiritual impartation. There are things that we do. There are also things that we do that hinder it. There are things that we do that hinder it, that kind of stop it, that thwart it, that, that disrupt you know, God using a conduit. You know, um, the, the thing that you have to realize about um, a, a water hose is that water comes from somewhere. You know, a lot of people want to just, if you go to a water park, they want to get wet, right? They want to get, they want to get in the water. They want to get um, under the, the sprinklers or the, um, I went to Great Wolf Lodge one time with my family. I don't know if y'all have ever been there, but they have a massive, like, I forget how many thousands of gallon bucket. And the bucket sits on top of this big, huge playhouse. And the playhouse is full of water. It's so fun for the kids that your boy even had fun with it too. I mean, I just, I had some fun playing around in the house, but what's really cool is periodically this big bucket starts tipping over. And then, and I, I didn't know what was happening the first time because we're all kind of standing around and we're playing and, and, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, everybody starts screaming. I thought, I thought something was wrong. And the kids start screaming and the mom, it was weird because the mom and dads, they started running away from the bucket and all the kids, they started running towards the bucket. And I look up and the bucket's tilting and tilting and tilting. And then more and more kids, and they all start screaming. They're popping. Ah, ah. That's like a rave. I'm like, what's happening? What is going on? And the parents, they're like, they're, now they're back. They're away. They're like, you know, they're pointing. And I'm like, what's about to happen? And all of a sudden, it begins to tip. To, and it begins to tip faster the more it gets. And hundreds and thousands of gallons of water come down this, this uh, roofing that makes it splash and, and, and douse every kid that's standing under this bucket. It's amazing. So I was like, man, that's so cool. And I watched it. Then after it empties and the bucket goes, and the bucket kind of sits back up and it gets back in its place. And I looked up and there's a tube coming down, filling the bucket up with water. Everybody wanted to get wet. All those kids, they wanted to get wet. But before they could, there had to be something that filled up the bucket. There had to be something that filled up the bucket. And a lot of us, we want to go higher in ministry. We want to go further in ministry. We want, we want to know more things. We want, to, we want to develop into something we're not. You know, and, and not to say when you come, let's just talk about this church for, an, for instance. When you come here, you, you bring your previous church experience, your previous pastor, or maybe you didn't have one before. Maybe this is brand new to you. Whatever it is, all of that is great. Like God's not surprised by any of that. But if he connects you to a church, the Bible tells us in the New Testament that every joint supplies. That every joint supplies. That you supply, and that you supply, and that I supply, and that every joint, we all supply. And then we looked last week at, at the, the five-fold ministry gifts, and what's their goal? What's my job for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry? We have a job to do. We talked about it during the offering. My job is to, to grow and develop myself so that I'm an example, and that I have something to impart into you but I don't just grow and develop myself by myself. Now, there are times, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to share with you in a minute, some, a revelation that I got just this week. And I'm going to talk a few minutes about revelation. But, 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 and that does happen. But you know what happens more often than me just having a, a moment with God in my room? That does happen. And I'm, I'm so grateful for those moments. As a matter of fact, I want that for everybody in our church. But what happens, I would probably say three to four times more often than that, God will use a man of God, primarily my pastor, when I spend time with him, when I'm around him, when I'm helping him, when I'm serving him, when I'm, I'm, I'm just, just I, I, sometimes I just want to just go, I mean, like sometimes he has to just kick me out of his office, like, okay, don't you have things to do today? 
You know, like, yeah, okay, I should probably go, you know, get some stuff done. But I just want, I mean, maybe he'll drop a piece of wisdom. Maybe he'll say something that happened yesterday. The, the meaning, you know, if I'm there on a Monday, you know, and I might talk about our service or whatever, but, I, but what about his service? What kind of revelation did he get? What kind of, what, what is something that I can pick up that'll help me in what I'm called to do that I didn't have before I walked in that room? And sometimes we're just, we're, we're so, we're, we want to get, we want to get doused with the water, but we don't want to, we, we forget that there's a, there's a filling of the bucket. That there's a, there's a moment where we, we have to say, you know what, I've got to put some time in. See, that bucket sits up there at the top of that roof for probably at least 10 or 15 minutes, maybe even longer, maybe about 20 minutes, probably only about every 15, 20 minutes that it dumps out. It's not just a constant flow of hundreds of thousands of gallons of water. There's a time of filling and then a time of outpouring. I want you to think about this. What you see and what you say. I want you all to say that with me. Say, what I see and what I say. It matters so much. And what you see and what you say will help you receive impartation. It will also hinder you from receiving impartation. What you see and what you say. I don't know if I have time to unpack what you say today. I might get there a little bit, but I'm definitely going to unpack what you see. What you see will help you in how you see things, how you open your eyes. You know, the, the Apostle Paul, when he wrote to the, um, to the um, um, church at Ephesus, he said that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened so that you would see who God is and what he came to do for you. Now I'm summarizing, but he was writing them and saying that your, the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. Everybody say enlightened. He wanted them to understand that there was is as mature as they were. See, the Corinthian church was very immature. You may not know this. They were a very immature church. And most of the time, if you read through those books of the Bible, first and second Corinthians, when Paul was dealing with them, it was very immature things. They were doing dumb stuff. I mean, they were, you know, um, uh, like there was a guy who was sleeping with his mother-in-law and Paul had to deal with it. There were guys who were fussing and fighting about stuff. Paul had to deal with it. Paul had to deal with all this stuff. The, the church at Ephesus, when you read Ephesians, they were different. They were more mature Yet he still told them, I, my hope is, and my prayer is actually was a prayer. He opened his letter with a prayer that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. I talk a lot. Y'all hear me say it a lot. I'll ask for it when I pray and start the sermon that we receive revelation knowledge. I mean, y'all have heard me say that if you're watching online, I hope you've heard me say that before. Revelation knowledge. I ask for that for me, for you, that you get what is revelation knowledge? What am I what am I hoping? What am I praying that you receive? What was Paul praying that they receive revelation knowledge? You know, you walk in the light that you have. See, this is what I'm, let's go back to. We all come to a place, we all connect to a pastor, we all connect to a church, why? Because you're walking in the light that you have, but you want to have more light. When, when, um, when we got our, our, when we started having kids and started, uh, you know, they got older, not older necessarily, but um, like uh, past the crib stage and they were wandering around the house and all that, we had to invest in some things to make it safer, to help us as parents, one of them was nightlights. Do you know why we had to get nightlights? Because in order to sleep train a child to sleep through the night, somebody, i.e. me or my wife, had to get up in the middle of the night several times a night and go console them. Hey, it's going to be okay. You need to go back to sleep. Mommy and daddy are still here. And then let them sleep through the night. Now, some of y'all are blessed. Y'all come to me all the time like, oh, yeah, my little three-month-old is already sleeping through the night. Well, bless your little soul. We didn't have that. We did not have that. And we had great kids, and my wife did such a great job. I mean, I mean, really, like, I'm not complaining at all, but that was just one of the things we had to work on. We had to work on the sleep training. We had to work on them, you know, learning how to, to sleep through the night and that it's okay. And I had to read books, and I'm serious. Like, I had to, like, read and figure out how, you know, once we got Kaylee down, the other two were fine, and Josh was just easy. My wife had that one down by the time we got to the third one. But, but man, when we had Kaylee, and we had to get these nightlights because when I got up, it's pitch black. 
And if I was going to go, you know, and, and, and um, we kind of started with that with me being because I'm a little bit less emotional about it. So I was the one that would go and, and get her because I could just, you know, I'm a man. So, you know, there's no emotional connection. I'm trying to sleep. You know, OK, baby, you're good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. OK, good night. Good night. I, I don't care. If she's crying, crying, yelling, clawing my face, trying to get back to me. You're going back in that crib, girl. So anyways, point is, I'm the one getting up. I had to have light to see because it's pitch black. And so we got the ones that are automated. They, as soon as the lights go out, they come on. They're great. They're LED. They're fantastic. And so we got them. And I strategically put them throughout the house so that when I would get up, as soon as I came out of our bedroom, I could usually get there without stumbling over anything or stubbing my toe. You know, I want to stay saved in the middle of the night and not say any cuss words or anything. No, I'm just kidding. I would... I don't do that, but no, I just, I would go out and I'd see this light and see this light and I I could see, I could get where I needed to go. I could get to her room. I didn't have to cut on any lights. I didn't have to disrupt her by having bright lights everywhere. It was helpful. As believers, we walk in the light that we have. What I mean by that is you have been given a, a knowledge, a light of God's word of how to navigate your life. And that is illuminating your path. It's illuminating your path. It's showing you where to go, how to, how, to, how, to go, how to answer the questions that you have in life and all those things. You walk in the light you have. When you have no light, you're in the dark. Everybody say dark. I want you all to say this out loud. Say, I want the light. If you're, if you're watching online, write that down in the comments. I want the light. And when I say I want the light, I'm saying I want revelation. Like, I want God's light on the subject. I don't want, I don't want man's light. I don't want the government's light. I don't want uh, the banker's light. I want God's light on the subject. I want God to light up my path, light up my, my pathway. Where am I going? What am I doing? Because, see, what you have to understand is the devil works in the darkness. That's his playground. That's his home. Like, he works, he lives in the darkness. His whole goal is to steal light from you. If he can take your flashlight, so to speak, you're in the dark. You're in his home now. You're in his zone. If, 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 when, when Jesus talked about the parable of the sower sowing the seed, he was talking about how the seed was thrown out and the seed was thrown out. And he talks about all the different places where the seed was thrown. One of, or two of them, the seed is gone as fast as it gets there. That's the devil. He wants to steal the seed of God's word so you have no light. Jesus said this. I want you to recognize a couple things that Jesus said about light. He said that, uh, um, that his words were life and light. His words, like when he spoke, look at this in John 1, 5. This is talking about Jesus in John chapter 1, 5. And the light shines on in the darkness. For the darkness has never overpowered it. It has never put it out or absorbed it or appropriated it and is unreceptive to it. I'm going to say that again. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. And the light shines on in the darkness, for the darkness has never, everybody say never. The darkness, listen to me, for all of you who think that, oh, well, the devil's beating me up. And the devil's coming at me and the devil's, the devil's attacking and this, that, and the other. And if you're one of those that you think the devil's winning in your life all the time, I want you to understand what John chapter one is telling you and what verse five is trying to help you realize that the darkness has never overcome light. Like if all of hell aligned against you and you had one word from God. There is more light, more revelation, more life in that one word than all of hell. Hell doesn't stand a chance against God's word. When you put God's word on it, when you put God's word on it, when you put God's word on whatever it is you're dealing with, that light illuminates the darkness. The Bible tells us that darkness cannot overcome it. Well, I just, I feel such oppression. Then get more light. 
Get more light. Ask God to give you more light. Stop, you know, like some of us, this is what, I, 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 let me tell you something that just frustrates me a little bit. When I see people go through calamities and, and they'll come and they'll ask for wisdom and advice and then, and then I don't see them for six weeks. Now that sounds harsh. It, I'm not trying, I promise you, all of this message about impartation is because my life's been changed from it. I'm trying to help change yours. I'm not trying to condemn a soul who's, who's watching online or who's with, in the room today. I promise I'm not. But if the shoe fits, wear it. And it doesn't make sense to me that when God's placed sources in your light, life for light and you're wandering around in the darkness, wondering why you can't find the light switch, wondering why you can't find the door, wondering why you keep stubbing your toe, wondering why you keep bumping your knee. And eventually you just sit down and cry because you can't get out of the dark room when you're not staying connected to the light sources that God's given you. Number one, do you you realize how much light is in here? Do you realize how much light is in here? Do you realize how much illumination, how much your life will be changed by taking God's word and allowing it to light up the areas of your life? By doing some topical Bible studies on an area so you actually understand something. Well, I just don't understand giving. And every time I go to that family worship center, they talk about giving. And every time they just, you know, I just don't understand. It's just almost like they just want your money. If I wanted your money, I would be going about it differently. I'd be sending out letters. I'd be knocking at your door. I'd be coming down. I mean, seriously. I'd be like, now, hey, um, I saw that you didn't give this week. Somebody please tell me if anybody at family worship center has done that. Because I'll slap them on the head. That's not how we do things. And I've never done that. Pastor Steve's never done that. His pastor, Pastor Reggie's never done that. Why? Because we believe God's word. We give personally. We give as a ministry. And God provides every single one of our needs every single time. Money in the bank, every bill paid. I mean, all the things that we're doing. I encourage you to give towards your church today. Yes, because that's my job for the perfecting of the saints. God's word says to give. Now, let me ask you a question, though. If you if if, if you see some people don't give and they're like, well, I'm doing well. How much better could you be doing? And are you really doing that well? See, most of the time. When you talk to people, they're like, well, I mean, I'm doing well. And I just don't understand my church need money. All, all my bills are paid and all that. But yet they go, they go through scandal after scandal. Their businesses go under. Um, um, and, and see, like people who are wealthy, they know how to make that money back. Like they'll lose $100,000 in a day and know how to make it back. They'll have somebody, you know, swindle them, um, steal money. I, you know, I know somebody, that, I mean, that, that happened to them. I mean, they, they had, um, you know, uh, someone very close to them take a bunch of money. You know, and they'll earn all that back and more because they know how to make money. But the Bible says in Malachi that he'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. Who's the devourer? That's the devil. What does he do? He comes to devour your money. It's like you have bags with holes in them. I'm not giving you a second offering teaching today. I'm using this as a principle. This is usually where somebody has a problem with the church or has a problem with a pastor, has a problem with a ministry. When I wonder if you would actually be receptive to the impartation that God's trying to give you, what would you receive? Because you're walking in the light that you have. And one of the things that we do that I'm going to cover in just a second is we reject God's word. And we reject it before it even has an option to illuminate something in our life. And we just say, you know what? That's not, that's not for me. That's not for us. Well, whatever. And they, they disqualify or disquantify. Like, this book needs zero disqualification. J- just read it for yourself. Just read it for yourself. Just read it for yourself. And so let it, let it illuminate you. Just take the scriptures, well, I just didn't like your analogies and your, you know, whatever. Well, okay, that's fine. Then read it for yourself. Just study, read a couple books on giving. Let, let's go to a different topic. How about healing? Because some people are like, oh, well, no, I just don't think God. I had a discussion with a guy this week. 
I had a discussion with a guy this week. See, when you start teaching on this, you realize um, how much your church and the people around you need something like this. And actually had several instances of things that happened this week where, where people needed spiritual and natural impartation from their pastor. But anyways, I'm going to tell you one of them. Um, it's from a guy who doesn't, doesn't attend this church, but a guy that I'm close to. And he began to talk to me, and he said this, th- he said this phrase. He said, um, well, we don't have enough money. Uh, how did he word it? We don't have enough money to buy jeans. I ripped holes in my jeans, and I don't, you know, if I could buy the jeans. No, that's how he worded it. He said, we have enough money to buy the jeans, but if we do, it will be so tight, I don't know what we would do. Well, something welled up inside of me. And I said, man, that's not God's best for you. That's not God's best for you. And he said, well, I just don't, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he began to kind of debate with me. And I invested and spent time with him. And then, and then it turned into several other discussions and things. And I, I took God's word and, and began to show him God wants you to not only be able to buy jeans, but, I mean, what if God led you to, to sow seed into someone's life or into a ministry or give to the poor, or give to the needy or whatever, but you don't have any money because you had to buy jeans because you ripped holes in them while you were working for a ministry. Like you were doing the work of the Lord when you ripped your jeans and God can't like like we act like God doesn't have enough money to give somebody a pair of jeans. All throughout God's scripture, we see where God blesses and increases and takes care of his children. But this guy was walking in the light that he had. He came out of a church ministry background where they taught him that that's not true. That God, that God blesses, but only, you know, it's basically just to meet your needs. Well, is that really a need? And it's like this whole different kind of thing. Well, you know what? Um, I define needs based on what the, words God, the word of God defines as need. I think that having clothes on my body so I can work and not be naked Anybody want me to preach without pants? Okay, thank you. All right. I'm using this as an example. There's, there's several others. I could talk about healing. I could talk about faith. I could talk about um, mental illness. I could talk about all kinds of things, all, all of which are in the Bible. I'm using this as an example because it's something where a lot of people, just, they decide to walk in the darkness. Why? Because they have no revelation. I told you that one word from God has enough power. Let me give you another example from the scripture. If, if you look in the, um, in the New Testament, you see several instances of the story where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. I mean, you talk about how, how much a couple words make a difference in your life. A little bit of light can dispel darkness. See, when you take God's light and you apply it to your life, it's so much greater than any darkness that you have. And wherever you're dark in your life, God is trying to illuminate. If you're, if you're, if you're living and, and, and your body is sick and you hear us talk about healing, then go after healing. Like, go after the light. Go after God's word and say, God, I believe that you brought me here. I believe that healing is for me. My pastor, Pastor Steve, go out and watch his sermons. Last couple of weeks, he's preached on healing. I don't know if that's what, you, what he preached on today, but I'm sure it was good, and I'm sure it had something to do with healing because that's what he's been on. Well, go and, I mean, ask me for books. Ask what, what material can I read? What scriptures can I read? And go after healing. Because there's light that will dispel that darkness. When Jesus went up to Lazarus' grave, the family was upset. They were mad. They were sad. They said, man, if you had come early, he would have, this wouldn't have happened. He wouldn't have been dead. Jesus wept. He cried. He was sad. There was darkness everywhere. For four days, he was dead. Four days, he was stinking. They didn't have embalmment and things that we have today. Dude was stinky. The Bible says he came out smelling. He was dead for four days. And three words from the Most High God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Three words of light. Lazarus, come forth. It overcame four days of darkness. Three words. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come out. And he rose. And the Bible says immediately, swiftly, he came up out wearing his grave clothes. Alive and kicking, baby. There's light that God has. Don't be, don't be so 
caught up in where it comes from. Don't be so cocky or so be humbly come before God. However you give it to me, Lord, I want it. Like, like I want a building for our church so bad, I'm receiving from anybody who's got a building, had a building, God gave them buildings, knows about, uh, uh, you know, building churches successfully. I'm, I'm like a funnel. Just give me all the impartation, all the wisdom, everything you have. Like, I, I want it. Whatever, what scriptures I need to be confessing, what things I need to be standing on in God's word, what promises I need to have, what revelations. See, there were there were things that I was doing that was discounting my faith and I didn't even realize it until I began allowing men of God to speak into my life about owning a building in a ministry. I didn't even realize that I was I was, you know, because let me tell you what Hebrews 11, 6 says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Do you realize that? What does that mean? God loves it when you, when you have faith in him. The, the rest of that verse goes on to say that when we come to him, we must come to him knowing that he is, meaning that he is God, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Well, that means I need to have faith and I need to diligently seek him. So when we say things like, see, we discount ourselves all the time. I told you I didn't know if I'd get into what we say. I'm not done with what we see, but I'm going to get into a little bit of what we say, okay? And we do this all the time where God will give us impartation. He'll begin to give us a word, and, the, and your pastor will speak a word, or, or something will happen, and you, you will get uh, into God's word, and you receive an impartation. But then all of a sudden, you start saying things out of your mouth that discount it. Oh, well, I just don't know how a bank would blah, 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 blah. And I just don't know because the doctor said blah, 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 blah. And my friend... She said this and this and this and this and that. And so I'm just not so sure about, and in your mind, you're, you're not discounting God, but you're, if you're saying those things, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. There, listen, Proverbs tells us there are, there's life and death in the power of your tongue. You've got to go around speaking life. You got to go around saying, no, there's an answer for me. See, I don't, I don't talk about when, when, when my body starts acting up, I don't, I don't, I don't say, oh, well, you know, it must just be raining on, you know, whatever. And, and every time that I, I do such and such activity, you know, my ankles hurt. And every time I do blah, 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 my elbow gets a little, little, you know, crick in my elbow or whatever. You know, every time I play golf, my back gets bothered. I don't make confessions like that. But I used to. I used to. I used to say every, every time I sleep wrong, I, and I would talk it right out of my mouth. Every time I sleep wrong, my back hurts. And every time I sleep wrong, every time I sleep on my stomach, and I tried all kinds of things. I bought mattresses, bought pillows, tried different things, looked up videos, but I kept speaking right out of my mouth. What does Proverbs say? Life and death or in the power, put that in the comments, life and death. Say this, actually put this in the comments. I choose life. I choose life with my words. I choose life with my words. And when you get a word from God, when you get a revelation word from God, when, you get, when God downloads a word into you, however it comes, and you get that impartation and you realize something, you've got to hang on to that and allow that to illuminate your darkness and your, your confession, the things that are coming out of your mouth, have to line up with that. You can't discount what, what you received. Does that make sense to you? You know, you know, I, I just every time I sleep, I. The Lord dealt with me. Why don't you say how you want to sleep? OK, I put it on my agreement card last year. This will be the last year I deal with back pain. My confession changed. See, see, I know God's word. And I knew it before. Y'all, this is really important. Stay with me if you're online. Listen, I knew God's word. I knew what Isaiah says. By Jesus' stripes, I was healed. I knew that healing was mine. I knew that healing was for me. 
In the debate that I had with the gentleman this week, he was saying, well, you know, I just don't know if someone doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. Well, if someone doesn't believe enough that they wouldn't get healed, and it's not about that you didn't believe enough, it's that if God deals with you about something and he gives you enlightenment and revelation on a topic and you discount it, that's not God's fault. Like God's good all the time. God's healing is available to us all the time. God's blessing is available to us all the time. God said that he's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. It did not say that's conditional. It does not say only on Sundays when you're at church and only if you make it every third Wednesday. But no, it says that you have a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So stop saying, oh, every time I go into this, I get depressed. And every time I change your confession. No, God gave me a sound mind. God is for me and not against me. God loves me. God, God has a way for me. God has a way out of this situation. And begin to speak God's... See, when you do that, it's like you've got a flashlight in your mouth. Shining light wherever, you, wherever you're looking. You've got to look at the devil, look at all his darkness that he's trying to cloud over your life, bring it to your home and shine some light on that bad boy. I hope you're getting something out on this day. If you are, write in the comments. Let us know. You know why I ask you to write in the comments? Because it keeps you involved and engaged, and it also helps others stay involved and engaged. It also helps the algorithm. It helps people see our posts and see us out there more. So keep commenting. Let us know. Listen to this. I'm going to wrap up with this. The absence of light. Ignorance. There's three things that cause the absence of light. Number one, ignorance. In Acts chapter 19, in Acts chapter 19, you saw the disciples, they were coming up and they came to a, a group of people that had received salvation, but they did not know. See, uh, another scripture tells us this, that my people perish for a lack of knowledge. This was God saying that his people, his Jewish people, his, God's people were perishing because they had a lack of knowledge. And sometimes there's an, there's an ignorance that we have. But that's where, that's where we come in and notice what happened as the ministers brought to them. And it happened, this is verse 1, Acts 19, verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, Paul said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now notice their response. This is verse 2. Did you receive the Spirit? the Holy Spirit, when you believed. So they said to him, we have not so much as heard. Everybody say heard. heard. We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And so he informed them that there was. And he began to, he asked them, what, were you baptized? And they tell him John's baptism. He explains all that. Now go down to verse five. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So now they were baptized in the name of Jesus, which was different than what they had experienced in John's baptism. So now they're saved, baptized. Notice what happened in verse six. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now, the men were about 12 in all. There are 12 of them. In verse 6, it says that Paul laid hands on them. One of the ways that we receive impartation is through, is through the laying on of hands. In 1 Timothy, when Paul was writing to Timothy, I talked to you about Paul and Timothy last week. Timothy was a son in the faith. We're going to talk more about that. But notice this. Paul said, stir up the gift within you that's in you because I laid hands on you. <clears throat> he laid hands on him. That, that, that's... Let me show you here. I wrote this down. I'm just going to show you. Uh, uh, Moses laid hands on Joshua in Deuteronomy 34, 9. God called Joshua. Notice this. Called Joshua. Told him. He, Joshua is the next one in line. That he's going to take his people to the promised land. Yet Moses still had something to impart to Joshua and laid his hands on him. That's why I'm careful who lays hands on me. I'm careful. It's not that I'm against people or whatever. I'm, I'm careful about that because it matters. There's a, there's a, there's a, 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 an impartation that happens. 
There's an impartation that happens. I'm talking about when, not, not when someone just touches you or whatever. I'm talking about when someone's laying hands on you to impart something. You know, I, I'm, the, the Bible says to lay hands on no man suddenly. I'm, I'm careful about that. Anyways, let's go on. Uh, number one is ignorance. And so they, they, he laid hands on him and they received it. Now notice the second thing that could happen is defiance. So I'm back in Acts chapter 19. And when you go down to verse 8, and he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months. So Paul stayed there for three months. He reasoned and persuaded concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But look at verse 9. So we just saw someone who, or a group of people, there are 12 of them, who did not know about the Holy Spirit. Paul informed them and enlightened them and imparted to them something they did not have, developed in them a quality they did not have. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues and prophesied, which they did not have before Paul showed up. Paul stayed for three months, continuing to do the same thing. But look at verse nine. But when some were hardened and did not believe. But when some were hardened in their heart and did not believe but spoke evil of the way before the multitude. In other words, they were speaking evil of what Paul was doing, speaking evil of the gospel, speaking evil of Jesus. He departed from them and withdrew withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. So he went to a different area, not because he wanted to, not because it wasn't working, but because they chose to disregard or to defy the impartation that Paul brought. And was trying to bring. Number one, ignorance. Number two is defiance. Never defy the word of God. Let me give you some wisdom. Uh, The Bible says prophecy is subject to the prophet. Yes, men are not perfect. But anytime a man of God is or a woman of God speaks to you, has a word for you, it will always line up with the scriptures. It will always line up with the word. So if you ever feel uh, um, don't be defiant. Just go check on it. If it doesn't line up with the word, don't receive it. But if it does, no matter how hard it is, no matter how many, if all 10 of your little toes got stepped on, there's been some tough pills I had to swallow. There's been some tough conversations I've had with my pastor. Some tough ones where he said, he, he, I mean, he helped me understand something that, and it, I'm talking about not where he's talking like man to man, like, like God's speaking through him and I know I need to listen. It's an enlightenment moment. It's a, I had, I had an area of darkness in my life and God was shining some light on it. And if I received it, see, it was, mo- it was a moment. I can receive it. I can receive it and say, you know what? I need that, or I can defy it and let my heart get hardened. Let my heart get hardened and say, no, I'm good. I'm good. That man don't know what he's talking about. That's just, just, you know. We do do it all the time. I've done it. I can say it because I've done it. But I made a decision, you know what? I'm going to, sometimes I just need to shut my mouth and listen. And let God speak to me and let God deal with me and let God say things to me. Can I just talk to me for a second? I'm not even talking to y'all. I'm talking to me. Can I talk to me? I'm being serious. I'm talking to me. I'm talking to me. Y'all be like, oh, he's coming down. No, I'm talking to me. If if the shoe fits, wear it by all means. But I think we have a great church. I don't think this is an issue in our church, actually. I really think that we have a great church that receives well every week. And y'all have helped me. Many of you have grown with me that have been here since the beginning and grown with me. But my point is, is not about me per se, but about you, about how we can, we can uh, um, receive light that we didn't have. Number three, and I'm going to end on this. Brother Andre, you can come up as we close. Number three is doubt. Number one, ignorance. Number two, defiance. Number three, doubt. Here I want to look at Mark chapter six. Mark chapter six, verses four through six. And Jesus here was going around doing good, healing all those who were sick and oppressed the devil, performing miracles, seeing people's lives change forever. And he goes back to his hometown. And it says here in verse four, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own 
relatives and in his own house. What does that mean? That a prophet gets honored everywhere except where there's familiarity. Familiarity breeds contentment. Does that make sense? It, it, it breeds con- contempt. What do I mean by that? Uh, when you get too familiar with someone, you can just begin to discount the thing. You know what I mean? You can begin to discount and say, oh, well, they're just, they're, you know. You, you begin to look at the field. Remember the field, the treasure? Instead of looking at the treasure, you begin to look at the dirt. You begin to look at the weeds. If you get too close, you begin to see. see I, I, and I'm not saying, look, look if, if, if you're in a ministry that's, you may be watching online. Who knows who stumbles on these broadcasts anymore? I mean, we, we get hundreds of views, and I don't even know who's watching. I don't even know. I have no idea. So it could be other ministries and stuff. If, I mean, if you're connected to something or somebody's living in sin, not again, not following Scripture, I'm not talking about that. You don't need to look past that. That's sin. I'm talking about personal preference. You know, Pastor combs his hair to the right instead of the left, and that bothers you. Man, just look below his, his, his forehead and receive from the man. If God connected you to him, get over his hair. Okay. So he says here that that's what happens. But in verse 5, now he could do no mighty work there. Why did he go there? Do you think he went there to do no mighty work? Do you think he went there not to, not to offer something? Do you think he went there thinking, well, I'm going to go back home just to chill out for a little bit? No, he was on a roll. Read it. Read the whole book. He was on a roll like he was going around. I mean, doing everything he could to heal everybody, touch everybody, preach the gospel, wreck the Pharisees and Sadducees and everything that they had done, disrupt the whole system, turn the world upside down. Jesus was was rolling, man. And he comes here, though, he says he could do no mighty works there except for a few people. He laid his hands on a few people and healed them. Notice in verse six. Why? Or um, yeah. And he marveled because of their unbelief. It was their unbelief. It wasn't that Jesus couldn't do it. Or excuse me, it wasn't that Jesus wouldn't do it. It's that he couldn't. Go back, go back to verse five. Now he could not. King James says he couldn't. ESV says could not. He could do no mighty work there. It's not that he wouldn't. In other, word, in other words, he would have loved to, and we know that because of the rest of the Bible, the rest of the New Testament. He would have loved to. And he did heal a few of them that obviously did believe, but he marveled. He was blown away by their unbelief, by their doubt. If you don't believe that God will use impartation, and God will use uh, um, uh, somebody to speak life into you, they got, I, I remember Pastor Steve telling this story, and I have similar ones, but I'm going to use his story because it's a good one. He just told it the other day. It's fresh in my mind where he was riding in the car with his dad. Now, this is his, his actual dad, not his, not his um, father in the faith, not his pastor, but his actual dad, who, who happened to be a pastor. But this was like a father-son moment. They were kind of having an argument about Pastor Steve's friends. And he looked over, and his, they were kind of arguing back and forth. And his dad said, you know what your problem is? It's those friends you have. And he began to talk to him about how you are who you associate with and all these things. And pastor tells the story. He said, he says in that moment, it wasn't his dad talking. It was God speaking through his dad. But see, if you don't believe that God will do that, if you have doubt, any doubt about that, you're going to miss an opportunity to receive revelation in your life. You're going to you're going to miss it because faith is how we operate. You'll never receive impartation from God if you don't believe it exists and you're not expecting by faith to receive it. Every time I turn on one of Pastor Steve's sermons, every time I'm there in person to hear him, every time, I shouldn't say every time because I probably have not been perfect in this, but I try every time to pray, Lord, let me receive something. Lord, let me receive something. Speak to me. Say something. Let me tell you, let me tell you, uh, I wrote this down. Y'all see my handwritten note on a jacked up, oh, I'm not supposed to say that, on a whacked up, on a, what am I supposed to say? Messed up, Messed up piece of paper. Y'all see my note? 
A man was preaching. I was listening to a sermon. I was like I said, I've been trying to just guzzle any anybody that's done successful in ministry has buildings has. I want I, I, I want the treasure. So I want to know if there's something that God can use them to speak to me. And this had nothing to do with buildings. Nothing. To, I mean, I guess it sort of does, actually. The Lord just credit. Anyways, here's what he said. He just said this just just kind of flippantly. And I had to, I had to run across the room because I had my AirPods in. You, might, you know, you listen with the AirPods, you're disconnected from your phone. I had to run across the room, pause and hit the little, you know, you hit the left of the screen and rewind it on YouTube. I had to rewind it like six times and make sure, go find pen and paper and write this down. He said this. I'm going to share it with you because it may help you. But this is, he just said this um, part about how God is no respecter of persons. And he said that, but let me tell you what I got out of it. Can I tell you what I got out of it? This is an example of how God will use any type of moment, any type of situation in a service or when any person who's living for God, who has something to impart to you and you're gleaning from them and you're connected to them and you're saying, man, God, I want you to speak to me. And and he said this, God is no respecter of persons. Here's what I got out of it. God is no respecter of persons. So it's people's actions and their unique actions that puts them in position for God's blessings to flow. Because if God's no respecter of persons, he's not going to treat Miss Carmen differently than Darrell or Brother Mike different than Miss Sarah. He's not. Like, he's no respecter of persons. I actually looked it up after this. I paused the video, looked it up. There's two places in Scripture where that's quoted, where God is, the uh, modern translation says it this way, there's no partiality with God. He's not partial to one more than he is the other's. He's not partial. So then what's the difference? It's the things, it's that conversation I had with that guy this week. That there's things that I've done that have put me in position for me to receive an impartation that I understand how God's blessings flow differently than he does. I have no problem buying jeans. As a matter of fact, in the natural, I wanted to. The only reason I didn't is because I felt like God needed, God wanted him to receive it. I actually almost busted out my card and said, go buy you some jeans. But I felt like the Lord stopped me. He needs to learn how to believe me for jeans. God is no respecter of persons. I began to understand. I mean, just, it's just a moment. The guy was, I don't even know what he was talking about, but he made that statement. The Lord spoke to me, downloaded this in my spirit. It, it, it changed I'm about how hour of my life was changing, looking up what God has no respect or persons meant. And how, man, okay, God doesn't love Pastor Steve any more than he loves me. So if Pastor Steve has multiple buildings, is now in the process of securing a, trying to secure another building in Sumter for a church to launch there, See, y'all don't under, like, you may look around and see the, the church we have now. I, like, I have, like, mega vision. Like, 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 if I told you, it would sound silly because of what you see right now. And so sometimes I, I, will, I will backwards compatible discount where I'm going because of where I'm at. But when I focus on the revelation that I have, and not let the darkness consume. You see where I'm going with this today? Do y'all, do y'all, do y'all have this? Because if you apply this to your life and promise you it'll change you forever, that all you need is a little bit of light. All I need is a little bit of light. I don't know what I'm going to do with this. I may just sleep with it for several weeks. I don't know. But God doesn't, God doesn't love these men that I've been listening to. God doesn't love Pastor Reggie down in Florida who's, who knows how many ministries have come out of his church, how many buildings and things they have. And see, God knows my heart. I don't want buildings to have buildings. I want buildings because I want to do ministry. Like, I want to see people baptized. Like, I'm tired of, 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 of uh, and I'm graced to do it. This is not a complaint. God knows it's not a complaint, but I'm tired of spending my time loading in and out of buildings when I could be doing something else. And that's not a complaint. God knows my heart. I'll do it if, if this is what God's called me to do forever, but I know it's not. So, so then I get this revelation. If God's no respect of persons, then, then it's my, God, what actions do I need? What confessions do I need? What do I need to say differently? How do I need to respond differently? God began to remind me of some things. You haven't been confessing this. We haven't been, I mean, just began to deal. Okay, all right. I'm, I, yes, sir. Got it. All from a guy who I was, I, I was willing to listen to and say, God, show me something. I don't think I got anything else out of his sermon. And this was like not even his point. Like he just said it in the middle of a sentence. 
How many times have I heard that scripture? How many times have I read that scripture? How many times have I heard another pastor preach that scripture? But I was open to impartation. It happens to me all the time. My pastor, Pastor Steve, all the time, where I I would be uh, sitting off in the control room or in some other room in the building, and God uh, would use him to say something, and God would speak to me about something that was going on in my life. And, And see... That's why, you know, oh, well, I've just got to, I don't feel like going and serving in the nursery today. God will touch you in that nursery if you go in there with the right heart. God, God will touch you out in the, in the lobby. Man, I, if, if I could be in the parking lot and be the first one to greet people and, 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 and wave at them and tell them about the church and open their door for them and all that, I would do it. And I, sometimes I will go out there and do it. But obviously, God's blessed us with people who can do that. But my point is just, God will bless you in the parking lot. There's there's light for all of us. Ask God to show you. Ask God to to change your life. Don't let darkness consume your life. Don't let the devil steal. Don't let doubt. Don't let um, defiance. And don't let ignorance See, the good thing about coming to Family Worship Center, ignorance isn't a problem because we teach the word. We teach the full gospel. Full gospel. We're going to teach the word. We're going to teach it to you. I'm, I'm going to try to cover everything I can cover. Be, because in here is a lifetime of light that if I follow it, I'll never walk in darkness. I'll never walk in darkness. If you got something out of this today, just shout at the top of your lungs, amen. If you'll stand up on your feet, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity. Lord, to be in your house, to be in your presence. Lord, I thank you for your revelation knowledge. Lord, that you imparted into us something today. God, we receive it. Lord, we're never going back, we're going forward. We're never going down, we're going up. In Jesus' name, I thank you that our tomorrow will be brighter than today. I thank you that the things that we're about to do will be better and will supersede the things that we've already done. That God, your hand on our life will move in a mighty and powerful way because our faith and our trust is in you, not in me. I did not come with excellency of speech. I did not come with with pretty fluffy words, but I came by the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for your power and your demonstration in Jesus' name. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Just receive, just receive that right now. Just lift your hands and just receive that. If you're watching online, just raise your hands and receive that right now. I receive whatever you have for me, Lord. I receive whatever you have for me, Lord. I receive whatever you have for me. That I'm never going back. I'm never going down. I'm always going up. I'm always going higher. You're always on my side. The devil may come against me, but he's going to, whatever way he comes, he's going to flee from me seven ways. He's going to run faster and run harder away from me than he came towards me. He's going to go from me in Jesus' name. I want y'all just to say that. If you're online, say this out loud. Don't be quiet. Say, the devil is running from me in Jesus' name. Why is he going to run from you? Because you got light. Because you got light. Because you've got light. You've got light. And when you have light, the darkness has never comprehended it, never overcome the light, never defeated the light. Um, I'm not going to say your name, but I know you're watching online. And the Lord put you on my heart. And, and I know you're watching and I know you'll know who I am or who I'm talking about when I say this, that you're, you, you told me one time that you had uh, thoughts and, and that you, you, you wanted to, to hurt yourself. You wanted to do things like that. And you know, you told me that in confidence. That's why I'm not saying your name. You haven't had those thoughts in a while, but because of some situations in your life, you've, you've, you, you've, You've backtracked a little bit in that in that area, and those thoughts have come back. Listen to me. That's not that is not 
because of uh, uh, God has forsaken you, God's forgotten you, God's messed, uh, you know, d- departed from you or any, those are lies from the enemy. What you need to do is come back to the light. What you need to do is confess what I just said a few minutes ago. I have, I have the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. That's the light that you need. I have a sound mind. I have a sound mind in Jesus' name. Just begin confessing that over your life and never, don't stop. Don't go backwards. Also confess what I said here at the end. I'm never going down, I'm going up. I'm never going backwards, I'm going forwards. And that may seem counterproductive because it feels like you're going down. And those thoughts in your head, but see, those are in your head, not in your heart. And if you'll confess the things that are in your heart, in your spirit, and let them come out, it'll change your life. It'll change the natural things around you because that's how God works. So listen to me. I have a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Say this, I have a sound mind in Jesus' name. Let's all say it together. Say, I have a sound mind in Jesus' name. I have a sound mind in Jesus' name. Say this too, say, I'm never going backwards. I'm going forward in Jesus' name. I'm not going down, I'm going up. In Jesus' name, dear Heavenly Father, bless them as they leave here. Protect them and keep them safe. Watch over them. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys online. We'll see you soon.